<laughs> Hello and welcome to the Legions, one and all. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the What You've Been Watching podcast. I am your host, the ailing, marvelous Mike Dudley, followed as always by my co-host, cohort, youngest brother, Marcus Dudley, MD3, checking in on you. What is going on out there in podcast land? We are broadcasting live from the shadows of Doak Campbell Stadium near Bragg Memorial Stadium in the capital city of Florida. Uh, first off, big shout out to Kesta for the song, Always, Always Bright. Bright. That's right. Um, you can find us and please, 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 please email us at Whatcha been watching podcast at gmail.com. Where else can they find us, my brother? You can find us on Facebook at Dudley Bros Podcast. Yeah. And that's about it. That's it for the housekeeping as well. We're getting good at this. Hell yeah, man. (laughs) But uh, how you doing, my brother? How's everything going? I'm doing good. You said you were ailing. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I mean, other than week two of my back just being completely kaput. Doctor uh, said you need a bacchiotomy. I need a, from the neck to crack. (laughs) Yeah, I feel you do. Trust me. So. Everybody's like always always says, I wish I was tall and I tell people like no, no you don't. No, you don't. No, you Nothing don't. is built for you. You hunch over everything. Yep. I have to constantly remind myself like I'm doubled over twenty four seven. The the curves in chairs. Yeah. I can't sit in certain cars. I can't yep. sit in a corner booth. I can't you know, yep. there's there's certain things I can't fucking do because I just don't fit. And then you wake up every morning and you're like Oh, my chest hurts. It's from pumping all that blood. Yeah. <laughs> Six feet till Sunday. Yeah. I feel you. Make, trying to make that 12 mile loop in my fucking body. I feel you, dude. Yeah. No, I, um, I'm um, i in the back pain club myself mm-hmm. and it's getting worse as I get older. But I'm trying to exercise more, man. And everyone's like, oh, you'll sleep better. You'll do this. Like, so far, bullshit. Yeah. yeah. And I'm not trying to be mean to those that do get a good night's rest. Fuck you. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. No, but I've been I've been exercising more. I've been hitting the the bike every other day and uh, lifting a little bit of weights here and there, doing a couple sit ups, trying to keep at least. It's weird how few calories you burn by doing shit like that, and you make it all back in like a single solitary oh, yeah. cookie or something. Right, right. So right or like right. three cookies, you're like, oh well, there just went the workout. So yeah, I'm just mostly trying to keep my like. I'm not worried about getting like Arnold built or anything like that. Like I'm not trying to go out and like look like Jason Momoa or something like that, but I'm at least trying to get my cardio up. So I, yeah, being a smoker and a drinker and an avid couch (laughs) potato, you know, it's kind of important that I got to like keep, keep the engine running. So that's that's mostly my goal. I feel you on that, but uh, I'm already sore and, and angry as fuck all day just from existing. And then like when I work out, it doubles. So fuck that. Like just, Yeah. No, I, I'm mostly doing it for the cardio aspect as well, but that is what it is, though. The one thing that we do double down on is when we're not working out, this is why the people tune in, Michael. <laughs> they want to know, what the hell you been watching, man? What you been watching? Oh, I've uh, been on a real good movie kick lately, so... Seems like it. Yeah, Seems yeah. Seems like it. One of the benefits of being an inactive lifestyle is... Uh, <laughs> it's getting hammered and watching the same shit over and over? Yeah, yeah. shit over and over? Uh, got back into Futurama recently. Started rewatching that for probably the umpteenth time, and always, always, always a good time to check in. I, I rotate all the cartoons in my life, so uh-huh. that one's out of the rotation currently, but it'll be back soon enough. Oh yeah, yeah. I, it's, uh, just, it, it's really good how self-referential the the show is. Like, there's stuff that happens in season two that they visit back in season six. You know that I don't know if that was the the grand design or whatever, but they find a way to make it work. It, the world is so believable in Futurama, and uh, it's 
it's the most over. I think they said it. The writers themselves. It's the most overqualified writers' room mm-hmm. that anyone's ever had. There's like Harvard and Yale graduates and yeah, like, like all theoretical like, physicists. Yeah, and like, yeah. yeah. And they get the science right pretty often. Not all the time, but uh, there was somebody that did the deep dive on it. And I think um, what's his name? Um, oh yeah, like all the equations that they ever show on the like yeah. Professor Farnsworth doing the equations on the board or for like, the black holes and stuff yeah. like that about balancing out uh, on the, the uh, Harlem Globetrotters episode. Uh-huh. So yeah, they surprisingly get it pretty close. So it's uh, always impressive. But do you think that the show took a dip in quality when it came back? Because I know they they were on Fox and then it got canceled. Right, and then they, they brought to, it back, and then they, they canceled Cartoon it again. Network, and then it went to um, Hulu or something like that. No, it went to um, uh, it went straight to DVD for a little while. Oh, right, with the two movies. Yep, and then Comedy Central brought it back. Okay, it was three movies, yeah, and then Comedy Central brought it back for a little bit, and then now it's coming back to Hulu. Okay, so there's going to be more future on to come. But do I, you think it dipped in quality? Because I understood that the DVDs, like you have to sell them as a DVD, so it had to be a through storyline. Sure, but if you separate those very loose threads they're pretty much just three standalone episodes taped together yes 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 i i i really don't have a problem with the with the movies because quite frankly it's just more futurama and me too that's fine uh i mean yeah there's i won't say that any one particular season was worse or better i i think that's a show that you really go got to go episode by episode right and just sort of like like even within the same season you might have two or three not necessarily stinkers but just like comparatively to what right. happens in, in a few other episodes during that season they're not they're not top tier you know like maybe it gets a little bit too bogged down in its own myth and and trying to keep up with its own storylines of, of you know alternate realities and going back in time and fry having to become his own grandfather and you know all that good stuff. It won so. an Emmy for that episode. It did. Roswell it did. Well. But but then it, it but then it kept circling back to that and things spiral. You know the reason why Fry could uh, defeat the the floating brains was yeah. because his genetic the... material or his genetic marker because he's his own grandfather makes him immune to their brain waves. Yeah, so he like, lacks the alpha wave or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, I like it's all the mythology, but it, they do a good job of at least keeping it in house. Somebody knows all of it. There's some notebook oh, yeah. somewhere that's overflowing with the do's and don'ts. So and it's, well, all, very, it's all very snappy, witty comedy. It's all very dialogue driven. Like they like they'll throw in a few like visual gags, but for the most part, it's it's just witty retorts and and sarcasm. Who's your favorite? Uh, well, let's start here. What are your some of your favorite episodes? Because I, I got a couple. I'm a big. I can watch. It. A thousand times. Uh, Jurassic Bark is pretty good. That shit gets me, man. I'm walking on sunshine. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, yeah. we're Fry it's resurrects good episode. his dog. Uh, that, that one's a tearjerker. When, when Futurama wants to do it, they can pull on the heartstrings, yeah, as it were. Yeah, I really like... Um, oh, I forget what the episode name is, but it's the one where Bender essentially gets shot out of the Planet Express, and then he becomes God. He, oh, yeah. He has that little mini colony yeah, yeah, that yeah. grows on his stomach. Yeah, I think they won an Emmy for that one, too. I think. Yeah, I can't remember the name of it. And then he actually meets God, and he has this whole con- you know philosophical, existential conversation about, like, well, the trick is you can't give him too much, and you can't give him too little. You got to find just the right amount. If you do your your job correctly, they'll never know you exist or whatever right, it is. Right, yeah, right, right. Yeah, that's a good episode. I'm much more on the silly tip of things, but uh, I like the anthologies of interest. Yeah, those are fun. Yeah, yeah, where they just they'll they'll, they'll... The tales of interest. Yeah, you you've yeah. seen it. You can't unwatch it. That's one of my favorite lines. Whoever that announcer is is awesome. What was the one? I like the one where they go to the Antarctic and uh, they a bender resets as a penguin. 
Yes. Yeah, yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then yeah. Leela ends up having to go on a killing spree because the yeah. penguins all unionize <laughs> yeah. and form an army. Yeah, they just start mating. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. Um, yeah, that anytime you get to see the Crushinator and it's dead. The Crushinator! <laughs> right, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's always a fun one. Uh, but, uh, the devil's hands are oh, idle, yeah, yeah. playthings or something like that. Yeah, those are all good ones, yeah. Um, so, yeah, man. Uh, you got any favorite characters? Are you a Bender guy? Or? Why not Zoidberg, even? Zoidberg's my guy. <laughs> Zoidberg. Now Zoidberg has the crown. When he uh, gets the $300 bill and he and he buys everyone a turkey dog at the end, great yeah. episode, great opening. That I do think Futurama, though, the fact that it's coming back, the final episode, they set it up so well with the time being displaced. And, oh, yeah. And, like they're caught in an infinite loop. Yeah, and they're caught in the infinite loop, and now they can go back. And when you when I saw that episode first air, and they did that episode, and then they went right back into the season one, episode one, I was like, damn it, yeah, I was crying. Exactly. I actually was crying. I'm not going to lie to you. I was like, oh, man, they stuck the landing. Yeah. So they're bringing it back, but, again, they wrote that in, too, so... Yeah, I'm a big Futurama guy. Big Zoidberg guy, too. That's, that's my dude. It's Scruffy, though. I can't I can't leave my boy Scruffy out. Yeah. Prison ain't so bad. Yeah. Get to make wine in the turlet. Yeah. Scruffy died as he lives. Yeah, he turns, Thumbs, turns the page on the nudie magazine. Yeah. Scruffy's my guy, man. He's the one that gets it all. So, yeah. Oh, Futurama. Um or anything else you want to talk about on Futurama? Before we just no, just... I think we've talked that one to death. I mean, I'm if you haven't seen Futurama, go watch it. Do yourself a favor. Just... We're definitely in the same demographic. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, let's see. Saw the Jay Okerson dog belly. That was pretty good. So I've been watching, while I'm at it, I've been watching a lot of stand-up myself. So, okay. Yeah, yeah, no, we can we can alternate. Sure, why not? We'll change <laughs> yeah, yeah. But no, uh, how did you think? Because I, I like Big Jay Okerson. I've never really sat down and watched uh, a full hour of his. I've seen a lot of sure. clips. And I've seen him on podcasts. He seems genuinely very funny, and actually seems to be a pretty likable dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he's definitely one of the, he's definitely a, a like an edge lord comic. You know, he's he he likes to walk the line between being you know really crass and pushy, but also making like really clever observations. Um, mostly, of, most of Dog Belly was just him doing crowd work. Honestly, it was, it was really kinda, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was kind of ballsy. I mean, he had a he had a couple of of you know, set up punchline jokes that he told, but for the most part, it was just him having a conversation with the audience and just sort of, you know, eviscerating them based on racial stereotypes and sexual stereotypes. And, you know, yeah, it's tough to do, but they're also, somebody told the secret once you're just like, you just ask them the question that you want to talk about. And Mm -hmm. it looks like you're doing crowd work, but yeah, it's right. Like you always open with, Hey, what do you guys, where you guys come from? Oh yeah, yeah, that's nice. Right. Hey, you guys married? Yeah, and then yeah, you just right. asked him the thing that hey, what you about you? Fucking? Do you blank? Yeah, right. yeah. So. Are you brother and sister? Yeah, <laughs> right, right. What do you think of it though, man? Because I've I've been on quite the kick recently. I mean, I liked it. I, I I it it's the first time I had seen one of uh, Jay Okerson's like actual specials. You know, like I said, I'd, I'd seen clips of him. I'd seen bits and pieces of his stand up material, but this is the first like large chunk of it. It was okay. It was. It was it was entertaining. It, it's not necessarily my favorite, you know. It, it's not going to outshine Carlin or something like that. But not many do in terms of the special plates in your heart, at least. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's 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 definitely completely watchable as, as long as you don't mind, you know, crude Gen X '90s humor, which is what he's all about. So he is a Gen Xer. Yeah. Yeah. No, I've, uh, I'll just get three of them out the way. I watched uh, one of them. We watched uh, we have in common. 
Uh, I do want to see the Ryan Sickler uh, lefty son. After all, he just he was just in the hospital, laid up for quite some time, and he yeah, he had something. some sort of like lung infection or something. Well, he had a and he had a procedure done on his back, and then he has a, a blood disease, and he's found out very recently that his all those he tells story about his dad dying and his grandmother dying. Just found out, oh yeah, that's what all these fucking people passed away from. Oh. And so he had this thing on his back that he had a surgery for, and then it just went all to shit, and then he ended up clotting, and it, it got bad fast. But he shot this special, um, for those who know who don't want to talk, we're talking about Ryan Sickler, mm-hmm. the sick dog himself, the man with the greatest laugh in the game. Um, <laughs> really funny dude. He's actually from, when I was living in Maryland, he's from that area, Sykesville. Okay. And then he moved to Baltimore, but like Sykesville's like a stone's throw away from there. It's right. kind of right, right where Angie lives, so... Uh, when he was talks about it on some of his other things he's done, I'm like, oh, shout out! I know exactly what he's talking about. But um, he just dropped one on YouTube as well, Lefty Son. I want to watch that, but I'm not there yet. But um, okay, okay. what I did watch, I watched Jim Jeffries High and Dry. How was that? I'm, I'm I'm a big fan of Jim Jeffries. It's it's good, man. It's classic Jim Jeffries. He's really you can tell he's slowed down. He's not doing um the atheist jokes anymore, and he's not doing like a lot of it's not political or anything like that. He does talk about it a little bit, mm-hmm. but it's a uh, He's he's growing older and he's he's adapting a style, but he's still with the times. I mean, he's still very sharp with it and very. Uh, his observations are damn near second to none. Yeah, when he's when he's on it, it's like oh yeah, and he's a good storyteller. Like oh, he yeah. he knows how to string together the basic ideas of, of of a premise and lead you to the joke. You know, like he'll he's he's a very good comedian at like walking you through his thought process to the punchline. So yeah, with logic, and he makes fun of the illogical. So yeah, it's, yeah, it's good good. Uh, Good material to do that. But I dug that one, definitely. I'm a big fan of his as well. I saw one that I actually, I liked way more than I, I guess I expected to, but I didn't really, I didn't really have any expectations going in. But when you Mm -hmm. walked out, I was like, oh damn. Uh, Andrew Santino, Cheeseburger. Okay, okay. He was on, uh, he's on uh, Tiger Belly and the Bad Friends. Bad Friends, and he's got his own Whiskey Ginger. Whiskey Ginger, right. Yeah, yeah. I botched that first one, but whatever. No, uh, he he was really funny, man. I, okay. I mean, I've, I've always liked him and everything he does. Uh, he's also on the show Dave. But, um, yeah, no, I fucking really enjoyed it. Fucking, I, I recommend oh, that that's one. where I know him from. Yeah, he's the... He's, he's the redhead the, dude. The, yeah, the redheaded dude on Dave. Yeah. Duh, okay. Yeah. I really recommend that one, actually, because he ties it all together about, like, kind of purpose and things like that. And he talks about, like... And I'm, I'll butcher it, so I'm not going to try to do it. But ultimately, your time that you spend with him, it's a cheeseburger. You know, it's like I just want it to be fucking enjoyable. Sure. You can make the cheese. I can tell you a story, and you paint the picture in your mind of whatever it is. If I tell you the details of a little girl, you're going to decide whether she's white or not, or she's black or not, or what sure. she's wearing. But so I'm giving you the cheeseburger. You're the one putting the ketchup, the must. So if you get mad at me for the things that I say, remember you built the cheeseburger too. Right, right, right. And right. so it's a nice little through line that he has. It's actually a pretty good analogy of just like, dude, you're helping create this too. It, it's in your mind just as much as me saying the words. Some of the things I'm saying, like surprise, surprise, didn't even happen. They're right. fake. Right. You know, they're fake premises for me to tell a joke. So. Right, it's on you. So. Right, I was high in the shower one time, and I thought of some funny shit to say. But that doesn't, doesn't necessarily mean it has to be true. Right, but if I tell you that's the origin of how I got to the thought process, it's not funny. I was high one time, and um, um, yeah, right. there's no act. You right, know? right, so, right, right. Um, so there's a nice little through line he had there, and then to get to the two, I saw Nick Kroll, Little Big Boy. Okay. I've never seen him do stand-up before. I know he came to Tallahassee a while ago, and mm-hmm. some, some people I know went and saw. Said he had a great time. 
I just know him as his work on Big Mouth and like the millions of other shows yeah, and I movies saw, and voice work he's and done. John Mulaney uh, had a off Broadway thing called uh, Oh Hello. Oh Hello. Yeah, that was insanely popular. Yeah, when yeah. Was they're uh, but they play two like geriatric old men. Like they're it, it's it, it's a two act character play, but it's it's them basically doing stand up comedy to each other. Yeah. Yeah, and it's highly improvisational. And yeah, like yeah, it was a massive success for quite some time. Yeah, um, I recommend that one too. It's just Nick Kroll. He does a lot of silly voices, and he's really fucking good at him. But mm. it's very high energy, and uh, he's very vulnerable in it. Let's just say. Okay. But the one we did watch, you watched, and I watched. And I saved Nick Kroll for his uh, his business and uh, comedic partner. Speaking of which, uh, did you watch John Mulaney, Baby J? The new I one? did indeed, sir. What's the thing, man? It was really, really touching. It's, it, I, admittedly, I don't think it was his strongest outing, but I, I think it, it was his most honest outing. I think it was his his best work. You think so? I do. Okay. If you, it's one, it's something that, well, it's about his his intervention and his time at rehab mm-hmm. and stuff like that. He had a bad cocaine drinking Xanax problem. Right. <laughs> right. Obviously, I'm not telling stories. He has a fucking special about it. That's right, going right, to make yeah, him yeah. vastly. Vastly even more wealthy than he is. But uh, I, I loved it. Obviously, it's close to home for me. But um, I want to hear your thoughts on it. Like I said, I, I think it was I think it was a really, really good, thorough line to tell all the different stories and different angles. Like, using the common thread of my addiction recovery um, to sort of go off on tangents about, you know observational humor but but in a weird way he's also a very like a very good storyteller like it like there there's a definite like through line through his entire acts you know um he's not just good you know it's not like he's doing mitch Hedberg or something like that which just right. going up and firing off random non sequiturs yeah. yeah um but i i think it was I, I don't know if he was trying to be a bit more measured or Hadn't quite worked it out, but to me, he just he didn't seem very confident in the material. Maybe it was just because it was he was being very vulnerable. But comparatively to his other acts, when he would come out, you know, he he had a certain swagger, he had a certain like confidence. Maybe, a lot, a lot maybe, more. <laughs> maybe it was all cocaine induced. I don't know. Um, but yeah, it, it 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 just seemed tonally just a little bit different. Like I think tonally, it was intentional. But sure. I, the the idea of um of the lack of confidence though I could not disagree more I thought he said it very loud and very proud as to what was going on and he pretty much said up front like it's a new act today you know and right. like yes his voice is still the same yes a lot of his delivery is still the same but in terms of tone him just bearing his soul I, I like people that can bear their their soul and go hey look at this here's all the the, the messy parts look right, at that right. look at that it's, look I at all that dirt look at all the the the, the messy bits of it all. And I really respect the shit out of that. And um, the fact that he tells a story about buying a Rolex watch just because he cut his, made his accountant cut him off from his own money so he didn't spend it on drugs. And so he found a workaround because he still had an active credit card. He's like, well, how do I turn this to cash? He goes and buys a $25,000 Rolex, pawns it immediately. And, uh, For like, what would he say, like five grand like, or something like that? Or he said it was a $12,000 Rolex and he got six for it. Right. <laughs> yeah, six grand for it. And he's like, yeah, that was... And at the end of it, he goes, remember, that's just one story I was willing to tell you. Right. And through that process, he, he does something that I notice addicts do and alcoholics do, is we just lie about dumb shit. He, he tells this whole story to the guy he's pawning it to about like, oh, I've had this watch for many years and it was my father. 
you don't need to tell that lie at all. Like, right. it makes, there's no bearing on the outcome right, of, right. of, you know, his, his I goal was to sell you the watch and get money yeah. for the watch. Yeah. End of, end of conversation. Yeah. How'd you get this watch? I bought it. I don't want it. Yeah, or somebody gave it to me. I don't want it. That's, yeah, that's that's the end of it. Yeah. But he goes to this elaborate tale in which he's trying to like weave two things to be true at once, and then the one person says one thing that's untrue, and he's like, "Ha!" And uh, <laughs> the fact that when during the intervention he does one thing that all addicts and alcoholics do during confrontation is that the the intervention specialist is there, and he thinks that if he can point out her flaws loud enough, <laughs> then it'll convince the room that like she's not qualified to be here, and he doesn't need to go to rehab. And that's what I did time and time again during any confrontation. Somebody would be like, no, you are doing X. And I'm like, well, you did X in the past, so right? So it justifies, and it, it's complete illogical nonsense. <laughs> And I don't if think I can turn this crowd against her. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> it means I don't have to go. And he's like, Did you even do a study on me? Yeah, they said you were nice. <laughs> like and so there's a lot of little things that I don't think people would pick up on as to how humorous it is, unless you've truly been through it. And yes, sure. it is funny in his presentation, but there's a lot of little things that you're like, Holy shit, yeah, you're one of us, man. Like, for sure. <laughs> You lie about dumb shit. You're you're an egomaniac with a fucking uh, inferiority complex. Like, all of it. Your need for attention. All these things. I'm like, check all those boxes. I feel you. Marcus, don't give away the full recipe. I know, bro. right? I know. You're giving, out, you're giving out all 11 herbs and spices, bro. <laughs> the Colonel Team 6 rolls through. Oh, man. Colonel What'd you say about my chicken? Right. So, yeah, I, I think I appreciate it. One, it hits close to home. But I appreciate somebody that can go, like, let's clear the air real quick. And I'm sure the people that were there at the intervention, uh, like Seth Meyers and Nick Kroll and all them, are like, uh, it wasn't as funny being sure, there right. yeah, uh, yeah, for yeah. two hours. Yeah, so the fact but, that you can laugh about but, it. Yeah, but but that's that's the point of comedy, and especially comedians, is to like take dark material and dark thoughts and like all the icky stuff that we all deal with and kind of shine a light on it and go like, yeah, but see, it's not that scary, right? Like, yeah. Yeah, so I um I thoroughly dug it, man. I I actually watched it twice because I watched it once by myself, and then I was like, "Hey, Angie, let's watch something." <laughs> I think she enjoyed it. Too, then you got a fake laugh at all the parts you know are coming up. No, I just appreciate it more. <laughs> I just I I have done that in the past before, not with Angie, but I've definitely done that in the past. Ha, 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 ha. Did you see that? No. Oh my God! I can't believe he did that. Yeah. I was supposed to be at work what? one day, and I just got drunk and watched a movie. And then somebody that I was with was like, "Oh, let's go see that movie." And they didn't need to know that I was skipping work and getting <laughs> drunk to go watch a movie. So let's just say I pretended I hadn't seen it. So yeah, no. popcorn guys blowing up your spot like, "Oh, you're back! Uh, you're like, back! Oh, shut, shut up!" Shut up. Shut up. So, anyways, uh, what else you been watching? Stick oh. to the popcorn, boy. I know, right? Give my shit back. Extra butter. You know how I like it. I was just here. I was just here. Don't act like you don't know me. Rhonda. <laughs> Anyways, what else you been watching though, man? Off the stand-up tip. Or did you want to talk about Baby J some more? No, like I said, I I, I I think it's not as funny as like New Kid in Town or or the one he did at um uh Radio City Music Hall. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Um, um Baby no, Kid, Gorgeous. Kid Gorgeous. Kid Gorgeous. Gorgeous. Thank yeah, you. Yeah. 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 Um, Street smarts. <laughs> JJ Bittenbinder. <laughs> yeah. uh, in a weird way, I think it is his most honest, and I, I really hope it's super successful. You know, it's. I hate to say it's less jokey, but 
it's tackling really serious subject matter in a really funny way, and so maybe that sort of weighs it down a little bit. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, I got you. It's, yeah, it's it's not as, like, just all over the map. It's pretty, the through line is not funny subject material, but he makes it that yeah, way. So I got yeah. you. I bet, and I bet he at least gets nominated for a Grammy for it. Oh, yeah, why not? Yeah, I bet. For sure. I, I bet he wins it, but I don't, obviously the year's just started, so I don't want to say, there might be something that comes out that shits on everything, but. You know, Bo Burnham drops something again, and you're like, oh, shit. Right, right. <laughs> uh, anyways, what else have you been watching, though, my guy? Let's see. What else did I see recently? I was on a weird, like, went over to uh, my lovely Liz's house to watch, uh, just to hang out, and uh, she was watching Steel Magnolias, and it was like five minutes into it, and I was like, oh, you know what movie I haven't seen in a long time? Steel Magnolias. You know what movie I'm about to watch because I'm here? Steel Magnolias. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Come in and just jack the remote. We ain't watching this shit. Yeah, be a dick move. Don't do it. No, no, don't do that. No. And I haven't seen that movie in a long time. You know what? I hadn't either, and not that I forgot that it was a good movie. I forgot how good that movie is. Like that is a really, really, really well shot piece of cinema. And like like there there's no bad characters in it. Like Dolly uh, Dolly Parton is is always affable and, and fantastic yes. and, and Sally Field is like swinging for like all the emotional ranges. Like, I mean, she does everything yeah, she in this does. movie. Uh, Julia Roberts is, you know, always cute and quirky and fantastic, but also like her. her Before th- she overstayed her welcome with me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. yeah. I'm not you? a big Julia Roberts fan, though. Oh, what was the turning point? I don't where, know. where was the heel turn? I guess it was just. I never was that big of a fan of her, and then all I was told was how awesome she was, and I was like, she's all right. <laughs> Maybe I'm just a hater, but like, I don't know. That, that's all. It was never like I was all that much on board, and then it was just kind of like, all right, cool, I guess. But either way, yeah, no, she, she was good in that movie. Well, we don't get to Sandra Bullock without Julia Roberts. It's so. true. We Sandy don't get Bullock's, to Cameron Diaz to, without... Who is America's sweetheart currently, do you think? Right now? I think it's um, Anna Kendrick. I think maybe... She might have just she, she might out of it. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. She, she was for a minute with a pitch perfect scenario. Yeah, I'm trying to think. It was like, definitely Julia Roberts, and then it was Sandra Bullock, and she's still kind of always... I mean, always. I mean, she's like the Sandy OG Bullock. of that shit. Yeah. You know? uh, yeah. God, I'm trying to think. Oh, you know who it is? Anna Taylor-Joy. She hasn't she done American? The, she, hasn't, she hasn't done Isn't the... is she British? The, they don't have to be American. I thought they did. I thought it was like one of the American oh, okay. sweethearts. Well, never mind. Uh, let's see... Oh, you know who it is? It's um, the chick from Wednesday. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, God, what is her name? Um, um, it'll come to us after we're done talking about it. But yeah. No, that's a good pull. Insert name here. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I know you're talking about, though. Uh, Jenna Ortega. There it is. We'll cut that shit out. Yeah, no, no, no. Leave it <laughs> no, that's a good pull. Yeah. Yeah. But no, Steel Magnolia is what we were talking about. Yeah, we sorry. It off. Uh, but, like, not not just really well acted, but, like, Really well shot. Like there, there's not a single wasted frame in that entire movie, and it all looks gorgeous. Really captures the essence and the beauty of the South. You know, like the the dogwood trees and the Spanish moss, and like captures the culture and, and sort of the the how do I put this the 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 idea that in essence women in the South sort of run everything and sort of the whole world like inevitably revolves around them just just because of you know the 
maybe sort of outdated chivalry or sense of like nobility or, or sense of like, you know, protecting your women and, and letting them be the center of the household or whatever. Yeah. Um, That's a really good point, actually, in, in the sense of like they are the ones that are to be put on high. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And yes, they could... You know, back in the day, there were trophy wives, obviously, but it was still sure, like a trophy true, wife today. Yeah, but I mean, but, but a true gentleman of the South honors and cherishes and and just to elevate, right? You know right, what I mean? Right, right, and right. So yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. But it really it's a it's a really good time capsule of a of a movie just to show sort of to to sort of show like that time period, like that was that that was the South in this particular slice in history, you know. Um, and it sort of, it sort of encaps, encapsulates all that through a really well done story, really well done actors, and like, I mean, I don't know, it won a bunch of Oscars, and why not? It did. It's like, it's one of those movies that if somebody said that's my favorite movie of all time, it, it wouldn't take. Oh, that I mean, obviously outside of just your own opinion, like yes, you're entitled to it, but like, I there's no you don't have to argue the case that hard and be like, yeah, I get it. I get oh, it, it. it's mom's favorite movie. Oh yeah, oh yeah. She loves that. I, I know. Lorraine loves that movie. Yeah, oh, yeah, Blue. yeah. Blue Tenant. I hear you. I love you, Blue. Um, yeah, she it's loves me, it. Wheezy. Yeah. Um, drink it, you Shelby. Drink it, you. Yeah, Lorraine will say that shit all the time. <laughs> I haven't seen that movie since I was a kid, though. I should go revisit it, though. Really do give it a look see, and it it's a little bit long uh, uh, time wise, but you don't really notice it. Like maybe a little so bit. There's so in many the characters. Middle. Yeah, if you're not yeah, yeah, spending yeah. too much time in one place. They all yes interweave, but it ain't. It's kind of a pretty good ensemble. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you can't beat it, you know. Oh, Shirley MacLaine's in that? Yeah, I totally forgot. Tom yeah. Skerritt. Yeah, everybody's in it. I'm just naming people now. I know. <laughs> You're like, uh, the old dirty bastard. <laughs> you got You got Raycon the Ray, chef. Raycon the chef. Yeah. Uh, uh, let's see. After that, so immediately that gets... Uh, oh, yeah, we got to rate that. What did you rate Steel Magnolias? Uh, let's see. I'm going to give it... It's slipping in our ratings. I'm going to give it... Four glasses of iced tea. The sweetest. That, that syrupy. <laughs> molasses sweet tea. I know what you're getting at. I, I hear I'm you not talking it. about that Nestle or... or, no, or I know what you're talking about. Lipton brisk iced tea bullshit. I'm talking about the... the it's in the notes now. That's right. I'm talking... Four glasses. I'm talking you put the spoon in the, in, the, in the glass and it stands straight up. It's so sugary. That's what I'm talking about. Where it sweats <laughs> out of the glass. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, that's a good rating. Um, what else have you been watching though, man? Uh, so immediately after uh, uh, Steel Magnolias ended, Netflix was like, "Hey, do you want to watch a League of Their Own?" <laughs> you want to watch like, Terms of Endearment? <laughs> I was like, "You know what? You know what movie I haven't seen in a long time? A League of Their Own." It pitched me that one recently too. Hey, yeah. pitched you? You see what I did there? Hey. Yeah. Yeah. I caught it. Yeah, see, you were quick with it though. Um, no, I dig that movie, man. Something, something, balls. Yeah, it's uh, it's Tom Hanks <laughs> and Rosie O'Donnell's in it. Madonna, Madonna, uh, Gina Gershon, Gina Gershon, Lori yeah. Petty. Yeah, damn, everybody's in that one. Yeah, I'm telling you, another all-star cast, man. Yeah, Tom Hanks is quietly just like made some fucking classics, man. I mean, he's the silent killer. You know what I mean? Like he, yeah. every time he's up at bat, he pretty much hits a home run. So yeah, yeah. So a League of Their Own. How'd you dig? How'd you how'd you dig that one? Honestly, not not as good as I remember it. It's very, it's a very quotable movie, but it sags so bad in the middle. Like, just it, it's really short up by like, hey, we need to make the baseball team, and oh my god, they're gonna break up the baseball team. The whole middle part is, is basically just one big monologue of them like playing baseball, and like, yeah, there's a little bit of character development, and you 
they sort of branch out into the secondary and tertiary character storylines, but it's all just filler at that point. Yeah, it doesn't. None of their individual stories affects the overall arc. Not really. Yeah. Not really. Yeah. Um, Which so. I mean, movies like that gotta do. It's like in in the replacements, you know, like oh, they got the one foreign guy. He smokes cigarettes. Sure. You got the one guy who's deaf. Like everyone has their little thing to make them a quote unquote right, right. fleshed out character, but really just kind of makes them all two dimensional in the kind process. Of, a little you know bit. What I mean? right, it's like right. oh, that's their thing. It's the one that does this. The one that does that. But right. that movie like, avoids like, it a little bit. But I mean, kind of like Madonna plays the like. The fast and loose, you know, kind of slutty one. Rosie O'Donnell, <laughs> so Rosie just, O'Donnell plays the loud mouth, you yeah, know. Yeah. They cast one chick to play the ugly one. There's one that's the mom. There's, you know, there's, yeah. there's you know, between the two sisters, the Lori Petty and the G, uh, Gina Davis uh, roles, you know, the, there's the pretty one and the athletic one and the smart one and the, you know, homely one and the one that wants to be married and the one that just wants to play baseball. So, like... And then there's Michelle Rodriguez type. <laughs> Which, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Do you remember Rosie O'Donnell was a force to be reckoned with? Oh, back in the day. Oh, dude, she had HBO specials, oh, like yeah. stand-ups. Her show was fucking crazy popular. She was uh, the, the hot ticket in town. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then she put on a, a whatever, what was it, a, like a Teddy or like a, a dominatrix suit and Exit Eden or whatever. Oh, that was way, way before her, her show and all that. Yeah, yeah. Exit to Eden was like 90, fuck, 93, yeah. 92, something like that. But that was like a Kathy Bates moment. Some people were like, yo, don't do that ever again. <laughs> some people were like, ah, do your thing, Rosie. Be sexy. Lizzo with it. Whatever. <laughs> Lizzo did. Hey, man. Look, Lizzo was happy as shit. I can't say Lizzo was happy as shit. You know what? I mean, more power to you. I'm saying, you know, hey, do I, I encourage all women to dress as sexy and provocatively as they dare feel comfortable with like do you is what Michael said go ahead I'm gonna be looking I'm gonna keep my hands to myself and I'm gonna be looking <laughs> it's like I'm gonna be saying shit when she leave when she leave I'll be talking to you <laughs> bro I looked her right in her ocular cavities and I said bitch. but you said bitch though well yeah, yeah but, yeah, but yeah, yeah but yeah yeah but okay oh man that's three references for you back to back to back um, and no, we're not telling you where they're from because we don't nope, play that game. We're not anymore. done. We're done with that. Uh, no, I dug that movie though, man. A League of Their Own. I just haven't seen it in a very long time. Once again, I, uh, admittedly, it, between the two, if you're gonna watch Steel Magnolias or A League of Their Own, Steel Magnolias. Steel Magnolias. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm with you. The other one's fun. It's just it's like I said, the whole middle is is kind of unnecessary. It's just you know, hey, these are our baseball adventures, and aren't we having fun? And girl power, and woo, and then. Then they pick up the plot line in like the beginning of the third act. We were like, oh, we're splitting up the girls, we're splitting up the teams, and then we're going to shut the league down. They're like, what? We got to fight to save our team. <laughs> Battle for fourth place. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Um, what would you rate it? Oh, man. I'm going to give it uh, whew, 11 bonds. 11 bonds? Mm-hmm. War bonds. Oh, oh I gotcha. I thought we were like Barry Bonds. Where are you going? <laughs> I was like, tossed underhand? What are we doing here? <laughs> anyway. Tossed underhand. <laughs> hey, that's what they do. That's not a shot on anybody. That's what happens in the league. Um, Renfield I got here on my notes. Oh, shit. You yeah. watch Renfield? You want yeah. to talk about that later when I watch it? or? I mean, we can. We you can, can get that on How'd you just dip your toe in a little bit? Just dip your I toe mean, in the Renfield water. Nick Cage is amazing in it. You He's... see the reason to watch it? I mean... 
Objectively, I forget. You can't be objective. No, I mean, even objectively, he is definitely the one to watch because That's what he, the review said. That's why I asked. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he he. Uh, they they definitely let him you know off the leash, let him go full cage in this one. So and, and he does and, and with with great gusto and aplomb. Um, so I heard they needed they they need to either let the blood be digital or. Let the blood be blood. You know what I mean? Because they keep going back and forth. And it's like... That's yeah. what I heard it kind of takes away from it. Where like it looks so glossy. And you're like, dude, if you're doing a, a smut film where you're exploding people's heads, like... Right. Let, right. We're there. Like, right, it's fine. Right, like, right, right, right. Um, it's rated R. Like, we're, we're cool with it. It's campy there, fun. Yeah, there, 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 is a, there is a certain element of... When they use the practical effects, it's, it's really fun and, and adds a lot to the camp. And then it just makes the digital effects stand out more. So I do agree with... They should have gone either or because it, it, if you keep switching, it, even sometimes within the same frame between digital and practical effects, it, it definitely shows the highlights the difference between the two. Does that make yeah. sense? Yeah, it does. It does. Um, or but, like, or somebody would have like a head explode on them, and one frame they're covered in in blood, whether it be digital or real, and then like the next second it's gone. You know, oh it's yeah, like, yeah, but. Who cares? If you're keeping track of blood splatter in, in a movie do. like this, then you are either a forensic analysis or you are a psychopath. Cause maybe both. Maybe. Yeah. No, Dexter I, situation? Yeah, Dexter situation. <laughs> no, I want to watch Renfield. It was just, it came out, again, there was a lot of stuff that's come out recently, and I've been pretty active in the theater, so I haven't right. had a chance to do it yet. Yeah, Michael still hasn't seen John Wick 4. <laughs> I want to talk about it so bad. I will. I will. It's coming. It's coming. Trust me. That's going to be one that I'm going to make you wait with anticipation so that when I finally Shiva. drop it on you. Shiva with anticipation, I believe he says. That's right. Shout out to Tim Curry. What would you rate Renfield, though? We'll talk about it when it comes out. I'm just curious. You know. Yeah. Uh, let's see. I'm going to give it um, two toxic relationships. No, that's a bad review. No, no. Yeah. I'm going to give it... I'm going to give it... So many bugs, so many bugs, so many bugs, you delicious, delectable bugs. Okay. okay, I see. I'm let us know. You guys feel free to review movies and you write them <laughs> into what you've been watching podcast at gmail.com. Tag us on Facebook. Uh, yeah, um, yeah, most definitely. So, on that note, I've been watching a fair share of shit myself, and we'll run through it and then we'll play a little game together. How Sounds about that? good. Sounds good. Um, I have been watching drum roll. Um, or you can just ask me, and then we'll pitch it right here. Uh, Underhand, though. Uh, what you been watching? There we go. Out of the park. <laughs> uh, a while ago, I watched a show called Shrinking on Apple TV. I don't know if we talked about it or not. Is is it about a certain mm-hmm. affliction I have? No. <laughs> certain affliction you have? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> the opposite of growing? No. <laughs> it's a, it's a Jason Siegel from um, the great uh, music maestro himself of Forgetting Sarah Marshall fame of How I Met Your Mother. Mm-hmm. Um, he was one of the... Let's not forget the Dracula Broadway musical. Dracula's, <laughs> yeah, Dracula's Lament is a incredible song and is on the What You've Been Watching Hall of Fame. Watch that. Go to YouTube. Type in the words Dracula's Lament. You're going to see a puppet of Dracula. Listen yeah, to the totally. song. There's lyrics in the in the description on YouTube. Really beautiful song. Really beautiful song. Like, surprisingly moving for a puppet Dracula theme. Cool, and then he follows it up with, uh, Am I a man or a Muppet or a Muppet of a man? Yeah, that was written by the Flight of the Concords guy, though. Well, but sung by Jason Siegel. Yeah, very true. Very still, true. Still got nominated for an Oscar now. Won an Oscar. Won an Oscar. Won an Oscar. Well, goddamn, right? Yeah. So, um, 
but yeah, no, Shrinking. Uh, it is about a uh, psychiatrist or a mental health professional, whatever, that uh, is going through a grieving process. Mm-hmm. Uh, his wife died. He has a daughter. And he just is off there. He can't not get his shit together. Episode one is pretty much just him having prostitutes over at the house while he does drugs with them. Nice. And his neighbor has pretty much been raising uh, his daughter in the meantime. And it's been a year since, or like a year or two since his wife died. And who's the who's the main star? Jason Segel. Jason Segel, yeah. Okay. Uh, it's also got Harrison Ford in it. Uh, oh, it's nice. Got, what's the one? Jessica something from The Daily Show, isn't it? She's legitimately hilarious. Jessica... Uh, black chick, uh, really funny. You would know her the second you saw her. I, I Amber, Amber Ruffin? No, 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 no. Or it's Jessica something, I think. But I don't know. either way, um, she's really funny in it, and it's uh, pretty much what happens is is that he feels that he kind of goes through like this crisis of like I'm tired of not helping people, and so he just goes rogue, and so he he really crosses every single line that a, a mental health professional cannot cross. Sure, but they set it up so early in the show. That of all the ridiculous shit that happens, he's like, I'm going vigilante is this thing. That's his new, I'm doing vigilante counseling. Vigilante counseling. And they set it up so early so any wackiness that comes over, like that the writers feel like doing, is covered. Like they've right. already... Just, it, it now falls under the umbrella of vigilante, vigilante counts. So he gets really involved with people. And as a counselor, you're not supposed to tell someone, do this. Mm-hmm. Because God forbid they do something and it comes back on you that it didn't work out the way right. that you intended. Right. You get in a lot of trouble and lose your license. Uh, seeing people outside of work just showing up at their house, random shit. Like he takes a guy with a violent past who's in therapy, court ordered, because he keeps he's a soldier with PTSD and he keeps. Yeah, and he was like beating somebody within an inch of his life, so he was court ordered to go or whatever. And so uh, Jason Segel's character Jimmy uh, takes him to like a boxing ring to like get the anger out. Okay, and so okay. It's all sorts of things that you wouldn't do as a as a licensed uh, clinical health professional, but. And it's also is about him rebuilding the relationship with his daughter. Because she's like, dude, you disappeared on me. Like, my mom died and my dad, I might as well have not had a dad, too. You just went right. off the fucking rails. Right, right. Essentially, I lost both parents, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, and like, because you were grieving so much. And so it's him kind of trying to work his way back into his daughter's life. That's cool. And she's not really that receptive to it. How old is the daughter? Uh, she's in high school. I think she's like 16, 17. Okay. I think 17, something like that, so... Uh, but really smart, like good kid. Otherwise, just but very straightforward. Like, hey, you want to have dinner together? No, fuck you. And just walks to her room. So. <laughs> New age parenting. Yeah. Hey, man. But it's uh, Harrison Ford's in it too, though. I'm On television. About, yeah, crazy. You're talking about therapy. <laughs> and he plays that character. Yep. And he plays that character very well. He uh, is the the doctor on the the three person staff of Jason Segel, Jessica Williams, and Harrison Ford. So. He's kind of the wise guru who kind of secretly sees uh, Jason Siegel's daughter and kind of gives her advice on how to navigate okay, things. Okay. So. Like like a, a step parent or a, a, a little a bit. alternate parent kind of thing. Kind of just like trust me, kid. I get it. Like gotcha. You're okay. safe here with me, kind of thing. Like, That's cool. I'll protect your dad from your bullshit without you knowing it, and you kind of I'll protect you from his. Just come to me and talk to me about it. Cool, so, cool, cool, so. cool. It's a really good show, though. I actually watched Angie and I watched. Uh, she's a therapist as you well know um, and we watched it all in like a weekend really enjoyable cool com- comedy drama situation so does it lean more on the comedy side or the like dramatic side like like is it more like almost like Bojack Horseman you know what I mean like it it, it used comedy to talk about 
serious issues or is it talking about serious issues with comedy? Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Um, it's not as deep as BoJack, um, but it very much so in the same vein. That's a good pull, actually. Not as not as when it gets as dark, it's not as dark. It's more emotional. Oh in yeah, terms BoJack of, went real dark. Yeah, BoJack gets pretty heavy hitting, but in the same vein though, it's it's pretty funny throughout. Um, you can be a moment away from the heartstrings being tugged, and some episodes are much more of that than others, and some okay. are much more like lighthearted and kind of like, hey, okay. we're silly in this world too, and let me solve your real problems via humor, you know, and the comedic premise to do okay. so. Okay, okay, cool. I would give it one nice leather couch to sit on, but it's not the one that's like the old school ones where you can turn and kind of lay on them. It's, it's not the un- quite. It's the uncomfortable leather couch. Not like, quite. Not you quite. You can't quite lay out, but you can't quite find the right seat. Exactly. Okay. Yeah, that's the rating. That's the rating. <laughs> See, you can tell we've both been but, in therapy. Right. Right. <laughs> right. It's almost there, but like in the moment you're really getting comfortable, you're like, oh, it's not quite where I want. So that's what I would give it. I always love the first time you walk into a therapist's office and they're like, just take a seat anywhere. And you're like, I see one big ass comfy chair, one kind of fucked up looking couch, and a wooden chair. I want to sit where the computer is so I can make the notes. <laughs> That's what I want to see. <laughs> Me make the notes on you know this what? whole thing. We're doing the interview now. Yeah, we're doing the interview now. Uh, other than that, I watched. Um, I was on a little bit of an Always Sunny kick, like I always am, but I watched Mythic Quest, Raven's Banquet on Apple TV as well. That's the Rob McElhenney, Charlie Day, and Megan Gans, I think, created it. Okay. Um, it's about ultimately. Um, Rob McElhenney's character, Ian, not Ian, Ian. He's a fucking egomaniac, and he uh, creates the world's... He's the, the the creative mind behind the world's greatest massive multiplayer online role-playing game. Oh, so like World time. of Warcraft. Yeah, or, yeah. Or, yeah, okay. But it's called uh, uh, Mythic Quest, and then this season one is Raven's Banquet. So... He loves long TV names. The creative are always sunny. It's always sunny in Philadelphia and Mythic Quest Ravens Banquet. So um, it's pretty good though, and it's it's really it's an entirely different kind of humor from It's Always Sunny. Um, okay, where they're just depraved people. Um, this one tells a little bit more of a cohesive story. There's overarching themes that go through each season. Um, there's only two seasons out, and I watched the first one. Um, I was a little bit in and out of it, but. It was there enough. To, the parts that are funny are pretty fucking funny. Uh, okay. Rickety Cricket's in it. David Hornsby has a good oh, character. Oh, nice. Good. He's the executive producer of the game. And um, he, he kind of plays... He's the executive producer of the game. So he kind of is the middleman between um, uh, Rob McElhaney's character. Um, as the developer. As the, as the lead. Like, I am the idea man. Right, and you will... Right. And the, he, the Gary Gygax of it all. Pretty much. And then there's a lead developer. Um, I forget what her name is. It's an Australian chick. Um, golly. I saw the... Um, Bobby? No, it's uh, it starts with a P. It's a, it's not Peggy, but it's a weird name. It's like Penelope. No, no, Petunia? It's, it's an Australian name. Piggy. It's close to Piggy. It's like whatever. Either way, Patronus. Okay, either way. Um, <laughs> he's gonna keep going. Um, but yeah, so he kind of plays the middleman between them, where she's just like, I just want something in the game that belongs to me, and uh, so his ego kind of gets shattered a lot because he needs to learn to relinquish control. Sure. Okay, and okay. They're they're going after influencers and all influencers to, to like their game and influencers are like thirteen year old kids. <laughs> so he's like accommodating to these douchebag like <laughs> online personas. You know what I want? 
Cigarettes and porn mags. Pretty Go. much. <laughs> I think his name is Pootie Shoe or something like Pootie that. Pootie Shoe. He's like, Pootie Shoe here, all my Pootie Cuties and LBGTQ Cutie Pooties. <laughs> wow. Wow. <laughs> and those are the audience he has to cater to because he has 10 million followers. So, I hate it when they have to start off with a written off pre it's up free ramble yeah we don't welcome to what's button botch podcast i'm yeah. your host <laughs> hey we try to get our housekeeping out of the way well that's ultimately the premise of the show and it's very different from always sunny uh, and I, I didn't realize i thought it was just created by rob mcelhaney but apparently charlie day is one of the creators as well he's credited as it so sweet and he's got a new movie coming out too fool's gold he wrote and directed it yeah yeah and it's, glenn it's... howerton is in the blackberry movie so who apparently is crushing it so, yeah, always sunny, doing big things. But Mythic Quest... Uh, except for you, D. Except for Shut you, D. Shut up, bird. Shut up, bird. You're an <laughs> emu, some kind of flightless bird or something. But those jokes write themselves. Um, yeah. I, I, <laughs> Why did we turn? Why did we turn? Like we're in character in the show? Uh, I'm Caitlin Olsen. She's so fucking hilarious. She, was, she, did, she never did nobody no wrong. She seems like a really cool person, actually. Uh, who got hotter post-children. It happens like that sometimes. Sometimes. It happens like that. Um, so yeah, I would, I would recommend that show, though. I would give it a one bite out of an apple and then put that on a logo. That's what I would do. <laughs> <laughs> Pay for that with your iPhone money. I did watch another little A24 film or A23, whatever the numbers are. A24. A24. Uh, I did watch uh, Bo is Afraid. Okay. The Ari yeah. Aster film. Yeah, with uh, Joaquin Phoenix and generic white lady. I yep. can't remember There's a couple of them. There's a couple <laughs> of them. But it's mostly him. It's it really mostly is his vehicle. But um, I say this, it is one of the weirdest movies I have ever watched in my life. Okay. And I am not sure. Weird in a good way? Like weird like Monty Python? Weird nah, like Interstellar? Nah. Weird like... No, it's... It's two hours... Weird and... like Holy Mountain? A little bit. A okay. Little bit. A okay. little bit. It's um, it, it's two hours and fifty nine minutes. That's a long. That's a ass long movie. movie, and I think it's only that long because there was probably a contractual obligation to say it's got to come in under three hours. <laughs> but I have the feeling that if that stipulation wasn't in the contract, that this movie could have gone on for as long as Ari Aster wanted it to. <laughs> and I am a big fan of his. Uh, mostly hereditary. Midsommar's is pretty good of his three movies. One to me is an absolute home run. Uh, Hereditary's brilliant. Still have not seen a single one of those. I know. Uh, Midsommar's <laughs> pretty damn good, um, but it's pretty close to The Wicker Man. Okay. And this one is a pretty far departure. It's considered a comedy, um, but it there is no like punchline setup jokes. It's just the events that happen, if you find them humorous, will technically make it a comedy okay but then by the old school terms of like you know comedy and tragedy is comedy usually has a happy ending and a tragedy usually has a a sad ending you right. know in terms of Shakespearean plays sure, and like right. old Greek theater and stuff like that it's not really that either so it's kind of a it's a horror too but it's not it's it's fucking weird man like so it, it sounds like it just can't decide what kind of movie it wants to be if I'm hearing you right, like it's, it's just it, it covers too much ground. Maybe it is. It's a little bit akin to, um, and, and not in the same light, but it, only in the sense of like the the Iliad or the Odyssey or like A Brother Where Art Thou. Okay, where okay. it's a journey movie. Um, okay, uh, Bo is lives in this world, and you're not sure initially what is real and what is what is not. Okay. And it turns out it doesn't matter. Like 
the movie, I guess, where it suffers is it never really comes together in one nice package where you go, oh, I get it now. Like, it, I understand the world now, or I understand what the rules are, or it's I, just, I see what he wants kind of thing. It's just fucking weird, and it's out there, and you just have to assume that, like, oh, everything you saw was real. Like, everything, this is this world, and it's huh. no, like, oh, is it in his mind? Is he asleep? Is he dead? Is there is none of that. Um, it's just... It's fucking, it's a very bizarre adventure, and it's a series of this This happens, and this happens, and this happens, and ultimately, it's him going to go see his mother. Okay. And so when he's leaving, he lives in the shitty part of town, and it's like, when as soon as you go outside, people run up and are like, give me money, give me money, or they just run up butt naked and are like, fuck you, I'll kill you. It's, it's okay. absurd. Okay, and So, Detroit, basically. Yeah, 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 it's Detroit. <laughs> oh, yeah, or parts of Baltimore. Um... <laughs> And so it's, but it's hyper into whatever. Like when he walks just from one scene to go from the drugstore across the street to his house, there's somebody praying to God. There's another just like child holding an AK-47, like locking and loading it and unloading it and just kind of playing with it, whatever. And it's, and this is just like in one quick cutaway. Um, and it's just, and that's just the start of it. It's the first like three minutes in the movie. Okay. And so he gets these pills. Oh, always take them with water. It's the whole movie is very bizarre. And it's it's interesting to watch, but I walked away going like, "What the fuck did I just watch?" So the whole journey is just him going to see his mom, and there it he does eventually get to it, um, and he his mom might be dead, okay, possibly a chandelier might have fallen and crushed her skull, possibly. So he's now but you don't know. Yeah, and so he's is he going to a, is he going to a funeral? Is he going? He doesn't believe it. So is he going to a funeral? Is he going to prove the people wrong? Like what is going on here? And it just never really comes together, um, to be honest with you. And I'm sure that if you saw it with Ari Aster, um, it's deeply personal. Probably I would hope. Otherwise, it's nonsense. Right. Uh, okay. to, just to be real, like and I'm not sure. I'm not taking away from it. Yes, is it beautifully shot? Yes, he's very capable and all that stuff. Is it insanely unique? Yes. A little too unique for its own good? Yes. Is it long and do you feel the running time? Yes. Uh, yes. Okay. Okay. Um, well, there's everything from penis monsters to a play that... <laughs> Sir, that was that should have been your opening line. Yeah, I know. Um, <laughs> to, yeah, and there's a... Yeah. So, um, I don't know if I can recommend it. I mean, to, just to be honest, to the casual moviegoer, you will not like it. Okay. If you're If you're half, ah, maybe I should, maybe I shouldn't. If you're a film buff and you are interested in seeing something that you've never seen before for the sake of it, I would recommend you watch it once, but I think you will have your fill of it after once. I, I didn't have an immediate yearning to go back and watch it and go like, I have to piece it together and sure, see what it right. all means. It was right. just like, what the fuck did I just watch? It's not like The Room or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For real. It's... And it's not. It's like, I have to understand this movie. Yeah, and it's not a. It's so, so no, no rewatchability. No, I don't no. think so. I, I would maybe watch it if it was somebody I was watching it with first time. Okay, be like if you were like, hey, let's watch it. Fuck it, let's do. It. I'd I'd probably watch it again with you, but like, there's no merit for me to like. I might go online to be like, what what the hell was that movie about after sure. the commentary comes out or something? But it's really confusing, and there, there's no like, oh, it all comes together now and it all makes sense. It's very unique, though. Uh, I can give it that credit. It's in color. So, uh, <laughs> so it's a movie that happened. Yeah, and it was in color. It goes on and on, though, man. And there's some. There's one part where he goes. He finds people in the forest that are dressed as ladybugs, and and apparently they're a traveling theater. Okay. And it becomes a movie within itself because they go, he goes, "Where do I sit?" And he goes, "You sit wherever you want. Sit right here." 
how about that? And he's like, okay, cool. And they give him an outfit. He's like, why do I need to change? He goes, oh, we really blur the lines of who's a part of the of the show and who's a part of the audience. Sounds exhausting. It is, but it's it's also it it becomes a movie in and of itself, like a, a movie with inside the movie. And that part is really cool. Like the story that they tell during this play is like, holy shit, this is brilliant. <laughs> Why is this not the movie? Yeah, yeah. And it kind of parallels the hero's journey. Again, kind of like the Odyssey, the Odyssey and the Iliad, mm-hmm. where the blind man tells him, like, here's the foreshadowing, here's where you are, here's what's going on. Yeah, it's the man of a thousand faces. You yeah. Know, you meet the yeah. mentor, you get the quest, you got to go find the item, you got to yeah. have the revelation and come back into the real world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But some of it is like the story that they're telling in the play is so loosely based on. On like this is what you, if this is the direct version of what's going on here, you have missed the mark entirely because like, <laughs> it's pretty loose. So okay. I don't know for you film buffs out there, for anybody that's a big fan of Ari Aster, you might love it. To me, Angie and I both were like, "What the fuck did I just watch?" <laughs> so um, Bo was afraid. I'd give it one nightlight. Okay, <laughs> down the hall, it's a little dim. You're like, is that? <laughs> Is that where I'm supposed to go? Or am I going to stub my toe on something? <laughs> Maybe I should put a plug a little closer or leave something else on. And then you go down the hall and guess what? You step on a Lego. Because it wasn't lit well enough. That's my review of that movie. But before I get off of that movie, though, Bo is afraid. <laughs> okay. Um, I-, I will say this, though. I think anybody that watches it will probably find their own interpretation of what it means. Mm-hmm. And I did not rush to immediately go online to be like, what was the meaning of that movie? And I heard some college students in the front being like, I can't wait to get online and see what it says about it. <laughs> like, for, like, so I think you're going to walk away with your own interpretation of what's going on. Okay. What I got from it, what I got from it was that, again, like I mentioned earlier, that I think it's probably very personal to uh, Ari Aster, the, the writer-director. Uh-huh. Uh, and there were certain scenes, um, I believe that it is truly about his anxieties and his fears come to life and played out in extreme measures of like, if you're afraid of the dark, well, why? And Because oh, there's a big scary monster. It's Everything is taken to um, uh, like almost an extreme, but an okay. absurdity as well, but also an imaginative nightmare kind of scenario, everything is dialed up to 11. So it's, so it's, it's in your interpretation, it's like Ari Aster is working through his own, not necessarily traumas, but just innate fears. Anxieties. Anxieties. Yeah. 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 Like the the, the the irrational, the irrational and the rational. Absolutely. And I think it's, it's the world is a scary place, but like I mentioned earlier, you step outside and it's people begging you for money and people threatening to kill you and guns are in the hands of children and there's people praying with a blind eye to it and talking about how, you know, and there's billboards up that say like people are breaking into your apartment at all. And so it's, everything's dialed up to 11 and there are some scenes that I truly related to. There's a scene where he's uh, talking to somebody on the phone and he's like, just tell me what you want me to do. And they hang up, and he's like, no, 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 but like, I want to make it right. And, right, yeah. And yeah, there's little sure. scenes in the movie that I relate to on a level that are like, holy shit, did you write this for me? And so I think everyone might get something out of it. So I, I say it might merit a watch, but I don't think you're going to... There's no connective thread that you're going to walk away with being like, oh, man. And if it does connect to you in all the ways, and you're like, this scene was about this to me, and this scene was about this to me. Sure. And, um, you know, there's a lot of... Um, one of the issues in there is uh, sex and the the connection thereof and okay. performance anxieties and things of that nature and the fear of of this and so um, I think again a lot of it will be very um, uh, if you can view it through whatever lens you choose to look through it is what you're going to find out of the movie 
but there's no thread, there's no bow at the end that goes, bow, hey, see what I did there? No hey. bow at the end that goes, uh, hey, and this is this is what I was telling you. It doesn't ever really all come together. So it's just, it, there's relatable scenes, but there's no, like, big lesson or something at the end. I think it's what you make it of it, yes. Okay, yes. okay. So Intentionally so? Like, do you I, think that's what he was going for? I think so. And it's one of those things where, like, I think if you were to sit in a room with him and be like, what were you trying to tell me here? And if it was, and if it's something deep, then awesome. Then cool. I didn't, I didn't see it that way. Or if it's, oh, I just thought it was funny to do this. It'd be like, oh, okay. It'd be kind of a letdown. So, okay. But again, it's, but it could go either way. It could go either way. So, I mean, there are some funny parts, but I wouldn't call it a comedy. I never, I only laughed out loud twice. Okay. And one scene is actually pretty fucking funny, but, okay. But, um, but yeah, again, check it out. Let us know your own interpretation of it. Uh, write us at whatchabenwatchingpodcast at gmail.com. Use the subject, Bo is Afraid. My thoughts, my feelings, however else you want to <laughs> tag in there. Or hit us up on facebook.com yeah, slash Dudley Bros Podcast. So yeah, uh, you want to take a quick break? Yeah, man. Uh, what's our sponsor? Nightbright. Nightlights? Nightlights. Brights. <laughs> Fights.com. <laughs> we'll be right back. And welcome back from our sponsor, Night Bright Fight Bright Nights Fight dot com, for all your fighting at night needs. <laughs> uh, man. Anyways, um, we're gonna play a little game real quick with y'all. Um, I was uh, listening to something, and somebody was talking about the seven wonders of the world, and why are they the seven wonders? Um, mm-hmm. What about their architecture makes them so unique that th- that this gets the pass? Why is it the Eiffel Tower and the the Panama Canal and things of like that. These seven mechanical. Are oh, you talking about the modern world? Not the not the modern classic. world. Yes, yes. either one. Either okay, one. okay. You, you pick. Okay. But what is it that makes them that? And so, ultimately, the game that we're going to play with you is, is there is a new creature, whether it be somebody from a time capsule or an alien or something like that, shows up, and they ask you to show you the seven wonders of the cinematic world. Okay. And so what does that mean exactly? Um, so so this is somebody who, let's say, like has never seen a movie in their life. And you, must, and, and you must find the seven films that incorporate all the artistry, all the emotion, all the comedy, all the action, all the things that make the art of cinema so appealing to us as humans. Um, okay. Okay. Of moving pictures, as it were. Um, and so, for example, if you were to do it with basketball... What you wouldn't want to do is you wouldn't just want to front load your team with centers. You don't want to be like, I got Shaq and Kareem and this and right. that. And Yao Ming. And yeah, that. because it's ultimately it's the same thing. So, for example, um, if it's video games, you wouldn't want to say Halo and GoldenEye and Red Faction right. and Modern Warfare 2. You're right. Ultimately, you're right. kind of getting the same genre. Or, or you don't want to do like, it's Mortal Kombat and Street Fighter and Streets of... Or, uh, uh, Guilty Gear, Guilty Gear and whatever. Right. Yeah, no. So you want to try to Tech show in, right. the variety of, of these seven wonders because okay. you can't just do, oh. I dig that, yeah. Otherwise, it becomes a, a Mount Rushmore of what sure. are your, your top four or what are the four comedies. Now, are you are you asking like in terms of my favorite films or like what do I, what, what films would, do I think? What would you show? This It doesn't have to be your favorite. If something is so widely regarded as a cinematic masterpiece, okay. even if it's not for you, for example, like... um. Uh, Godzilla could be on someone's list. Okay. As, in terms of it tells the story, the storytelling of cinema might be like, oh wow, this is one that should go, 
that you could put, you can understand the human condition more, or you can understand the joy of artistry of why we love motion sure. pictures so much via these seven wonders. Gotcha, gotcha. And so that's what it is. And you don't want two other games to be the same. Like you could put, ultimately, if you really wanted to, if you really felt vehemently about it, check that bingo card. Vehemently? How do I say it? Vehemently? Vehemently about it? Vehemently? Yeah, vehemently. Bahamut? Um, you could put hip-hop like. Hip Hop Anonymous? Hip Hop Anonymous? You could put like. Indiana Jones and Star Wars. If you if you really felt that that sure, were strong they're, enough, they're, they're yeah. close enough to where you might not need to at right, that point. Right, I, I understand. Like in terms of uh, action adventure, like sure, it's not right. too far away from Pirates of the Caribbean. Maybe there's a distinction between one is more fantasy and one is more sci-fi, but it's still action adventure. Sure, right. Yeah. So, that being said, I want to ask you, Michael, what were, I think we can, you want to come up with some together as opposed to a separate list? We can throw in some yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's, as well. let's come up with a definitive list. Okay. I'm going to get one out the way here. And I think you already know what I'm going at because you see the look in my eyes and you know I'm sitting forward in my chair and I get passionate about this movie. It's Pat. It is Pat. <laughs> the movie. Which, thank you for watching. Um, I hope you all enjoyed that episode because it was for you. I hope you enjoyed the episode because I fucking hated that movie. <laughs> In the 78 minutes. So yeah. Jesus Christ. Um, but no, I was going to say uh, The Matrix. I That was the very first movie when you made this proposition that popped in my head was The Matrix. Uh, and most- again, we're showing this to somebody not of this of this reality of whatever. Why do you enjoy cinematic so much? Why do you think that is? Why does the, and we won't talk on it too much. But. Because it encapsulates a lot of different cinematic themes that we've seen before in other movies, but never kind of brought together in this way in terms of, you know, the, the you bring in the Shaw Brothers kung fu fighting, you bring in right. the, the psychedelic um, fantasy of, you know, say like Brazil or... or, or uh, Ghost in the Machine or something like that. Uh, you bring in the aesthetics of basically German expressionism. You know, it's, yes. it's it's all very plain colors, and they sort of let the faces and and uh, uh, lighting tell the mood more so than like the look of the people. The idea, and also just it says something about the human condition in a silly way of one, our obsession with guns as a culture. Sure. We need guns, lots of them. Like that's right, going to solve right, the problem, right, right, which right. it does, but it also kind right. of The answer to violence is always more violence. More, is, and eventually it becomes not so much, but I think that is super high on the list in terms of you would show somebody something. It is one of the greatest action films of all time. So you're scratching that itch for sure, sure of like, wow, you can, what is, they would pose the question, what is choreography then? Well, it's dancing, it's fighting, it's it's being on your mark when, when, sure. the, when the camera turns to you, being in the right place so when they drop a whatever, you can be there to catch it. And it's all this beautiful ballet of of uh, orchestrated just for you, the viewer. That, right, right. And so much yeah. of it, so much time and preparation. A symphony of movement, basically. You're right. Yeah. And it all, so much timing and everything, so much practice goes into it. Hours and hours and hours before it ever see gets shown to you, the viewer. Right, right, right. And right. so I think that movie is one that time capsule whatever game we're playing. And, and in then, terms you, of, and then also just to piggyback off that, then you bring in the technological aspect of just the the different technologies that they had to build specifically to make this movie. I mean, to to, to catch the the bullet time dodge, you know, where Neo's bending backwards right. and So the, the visual that's something I, the visual appeal of cinema. Of it just looks cool as yeah, shit. Exactly. We're watching some cool ass shit. But he, again, like it's it's you, you bring in somebody like James Cameron or 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 um 
Ridley Scott or or uh, Alphonse Curaçao, Alfonso Curaçao, who had to build specific camera riggings right. and certain lightings and certain sets to get the shot the way they wanted. Oh, it. you mean the technological aspect yeah, in terms yeah, of the just, technology invented for the bullet correct, time and Alfonso Curaçao with the three sixty camera. Correct. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So like you, I'm with it. In in a way, that best represents all those people that I mentioned in terms of like they've all sort of right. made contributions just well to done. just to the. The the filming aspect, the of science the of film, the, the science, yes. yes, exactly. Well, well played. So yeah, the underwater cameras of Avatar and uh, the Abyss, uh, in terms Correct. of the the zero gravity camera of gravity, the, the CGI you know? effects of Terminator right. Two, the, the well the, done, all that, yeah. well done. Yeah, no. So the Matrix, we're, yeah. we're in agreement there. Yeah. Uh, will you pitch me one, sir? Um, See, I think you have to go. You have to rep represent the classics and so in my mind i'm just trying to decide between like maybe something like gone with the wind or or i hate to say citizen kane because i think that one's a little bit overplayed but something like that like maybe casablanca i'm fine with fact maltese falcon or something like that i'm fine with casablanca that that would be you know what i mean like like just in terms of classical or ben hur i hear you as well ben hur okay that that's that'd be another one Ben i wouldn't be opposed to the first one yeah ten commandments maybe with uh chuck heston Heston. yeah (laughs) um all right well shit pick one what'd you think then and and make make a case for it that's that's what i'm I'm with you though i'm I'm, I'm trying to i'm trying to understand like like in the same way the matrix revolutionized the digital age of cinema, like the one of those movies that revolutionized the classic right. methods of cinema, you know. Um, honestly, I'm kind of torn between the Ten Commandments and also maybe Gone with the Wind, but I, I think I, I'm. I'm I'm trying to decide if those are too cliched. You know what I mean? Like maybe there's a better representation. I'm just going with what's popular. I mean, no, but here, here's the thing. I mean, this is what everybody forgets. Popular shit is popular for a reason. It's sure. good. It's catchy. It's viewable. It's, you know what I mean? Like the singles off of an album are a single for a reason. Like, yo, this might be your strongest lead on the album. So to hate on it just because it's popular is detrimental. This person has no idea of the popularity of these films. You're just showing them the wonders of cinema. So. Okay. Okay, I think I, I think I figured out which one it is. I take think me I know to son. To. Take me there. The Wizard of Oz. The Wizard of Oz. Well, I think that that done. is no. That is the answer. Yeah, I think of all the classic cinema, you know, traditional classic, you know, glitz and glam Hollywood. I think that that one was the perfect peak of storytelling and characters and memorability in terms of like. It's a classic movie. I mean, it's it's shown all over the world all the time. You know, um, the practical effects of the scarecrow, like just the the looking like he has a bag on his head sure, and the Tin Man sure. and all, that is fucking brilliant. The, yeah, you know, for what for whatever it is, you know, the the flying <laughs> monkeys and the the yeah, just the 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 way that they shot that movie to to capture this fantasy realm that had never been seen before. Um, and of course, like that. That leads, of course, into like Willy Wonka and you know all these all these yeah. others. That's that, a good, yeah. that, that sort of you're right. That does scratch that itch of the Willy Wonka and the the childhood adventure. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, like the Goonies, that kind of thing. I think you. I think that might be it. Wizard I think I think uh, Wizard of Oz might have to be one of the top seven wonders. So I'm with you. 
I, I think it's a phenomenal answer. Okay. I think it's a phenomenal answer. I'm very good at this game. No, I like <laughs> it. I want to talk about something next, though. So, so far we've got The Matrix and The Wizard of Oz. Mm-hmm. Now, there's two ways I could take this next one. And ultimately, what are movies about? Escapism. Sure. Right? It's, yeah. it's a form fantasy, of escape. Right, and fantasy. Right. Take me out of this world and transport me somewhere else. And sometimes, yes, we need something to suspend our disbelief on, which we have things like The Matrix. But other times, we just want silly shit that is irreverent as hell, right? Okay, sure. And that is, to me, it's a major part of why I go to the movies. Now, if we're talking irreverence, and that and that aspect, we go to laugh, yes, so it's not necessarily a comedy, but one of the greatest just sit back and just take enjoy the ride, you got to start thinking of things like, um, on a lesser note, like Dumb and Dumber would be one of just being silly, but I'm not saying that one. Hear okay. me out, though. Okay. What my pitch is, is... Um, Either a Mel, Bro- a Mel Brooks film, like History of the World, okay, or what I think the answer is, is Monty Python and the Search for the Holy Grail. In terms of it is so silly, and you just need to represent hmm. that, of British, not just British comedy, but one of arguably the funniest films of all time. I, I would agree with you, except for I think that Meaning of Life is a better representation of the Monty Python sketch comedy sort of humor. Like... Meaning of Life is more like the TV show than Holy Grail is. Does that make sense? No, it is. But Holy Grail is still equally a series of sketches loosely tied together for the quest for the Grail. I I personally, this is just me, I personally think, like, if you said pick one of these movies to watch and it's Meaning of Life or um, Holy Holy Grail, Grail. I'm taking Meaning of Life because it's so fucking funny. Right. But in terms of what I would show, what I would showcase, I think it's, it's Holy Grail. Okay. But you understand why I'm getting at sure, it, though, in sure. terms of I'm... like the sheer absurdity of this movie. And you can go absurdity in a lot of ways. You can, some people go, like, the premise of this is ridiculous. But in terms of just silliness, of like, I had so many worries, and I'll have just for the next 90 minutes, I just get to watch right. people be children. Right. And it's just be It silly, is a wonder right. of cinema. Yeah. Watching I, grown men cross dress and I, I can understand speaking that. silly voices. Yeah. You know? yeah. 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 Dumb and Dumber is another one. You're like, throw it on. Dewey Cox, Step Brothers to me. It's just like, I get to watch silliness and just be a part of it and lose myself in it and not be so fucking serious yeah. for the next 90 right, minutes. Right. The and whole world doesn't have to be serious for however long this movie yeah. is. I, I understand that. I, I think that's an important aspect to represent. I'm just. I'm trying to think. We're if, just on semantics now at this point. Yeah, yeah. At this point, I'm just trying to think if there's if there's something that might be a better representation of that. I think Monty Python is a real. And, and again, you could choose between Meaning of Life, yeah. Holy Grails, Life of Brian. Like any one of those could. History of the world. History of the world. Spaceballs. Yeah. One of the you know one of the just, maybe not Spaceballs. Yeah, yeah. But you know what I mean though. Like Mel Brooks is equally as absurd. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Or like I, a Charlie Chaplin. You know what I mean. I was just gonna say, like, like the, I, I the do, kid even though pulls at the heartstrings a little too I, much. I but. do love a good Buster Keaton movie. You know what I mean? Just pratfalls and oh, and yeah. silliness. I mean, even maybe one of the Three Stooges. I I, I don't mm. know. I don't know. I think you're getting all that with with um, Holy Grail though. Sure. Okay. I I yeah. The the path tracks in terms of like this leads to this, which leads to Holy Grail. I could buy that. Again, I might finagle and say I think that meaning of life is a better representation, but we can yeah. we can leave that. But in terms of what we're looking for in in the the aspect of the yeah. wonder of cinema, maybe, maybe the jerk is somewhere in there, but it's still in the same vein though. Yeah. It's all that we're at this point. It's you pick your movie, but hey, this this movie shows this aspect of cinema, and I think 
I'm gonna put Holy Grail. I think. Well, I think I think to represent the comedy and hilarity and just absurdist aspect of, of movies, it needs to have like physical comedy. It needs to have very dialogue-driven comedy. It needs to have s- some sort of factor of all of those. You know, like Pratt yeah. Falls meets you know snappy dialogue meets sardonic humor meets a little bit of darkness meets right. you know a little bit of cutesy wah wah wee wah. You know. Yeah, no, I'm with it. Um, so, Holy Grail? Uh, yeah, Holy Grail slash Meaning of Life, sure. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah I'm with it. Holy Grail, Meaning of Life, one of those. I'm, I'm fine with that. All right, cool. So, we got our three first three wonders down. Now, where do we go? What's, where do we pivot to next? There's I think, one I think... I, I want to hear your pitch, but you go ahead. I was going to say, I think that it's important to recognize the... The terror aspect. Yes. So I, I I hate to I hesitate to say it should be a horror movie, but it should be something that is chilling, something that is shows the darker aspects of humanity and sort of the depths and depravity that we can descend to. Yeah. My vote in terms and I think we should not just oh we're just picking the best of each genre. That's we're trying to avoid that. We're trying to show why these genres work and what does it in, in our aspects of it, why does this genre work so much? Why do horror movies work so well? Mm-hmm. Um, I think Silence of the Lambs would be up there. Um, in terms, of, but the problem is with that is, well, in terms of performance, yeah, you would want to show that too, though. Right. In terms I mean, of that, like, that's a pretty hard fucking, hard one to beat in terms of the artistry of performances. Yeah, fucking best picture. One, yeah, but not that. But also, you have was to that un- uh, Brian Demi? I think so. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, the, the director? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I mean, Anthony Hopkins, yeah, so that's a whole different thing. We're talking about horror for now. Um, for Silence of the Lambs, you would have to understand the human condition a lot in order to understand it. And that's a good segue sure. into that. Although, I think The Exorcist is the answer for what we're looking for. I would say maybe something akin to like Schindler's List, which I haven't seen, but I hear is terrifying. <laughs> Um, so like I said, like maybe not necessarily a horror, but just something that shows the evil within. So it, it doesn't, I, I, I do like, I do like the idea of science of the lambs. Science I think that's, a, lamb, str- that's a strong contender. Um, cause he, it's terrifying. And also it does open up the questions of the human condition. And, and also you get to scratch the box of like, well, why, who are these people that, it is, a good, it is a in good terms of performance, it. and it's not good, just that, but like the performance aspect of being like Jodie Foster won an Oscar, uh-huh. Hopkins obviously we're on a last name basis, but uh, Hopkins won an Oscar. <laughs> Me for and it. Tony Hops. Me and old T Hops. Um, <laughs> so you can see like, wow, this person is captivating, and like, yes, that is so much of it. Mm-hmm. When we find ourselves in these characters, and you're like at the edge of your seat, the suspense aspect of it, yeah. as it were, it, it's a really good detective updated detective noir th- thriller so you get the the kind of whodunit aspect of it that's a big aspect um, of movies mystery that, that might be that might be a strong content again I'm just trying to think of anything that pops in, in the head that maybe represents it better but it's, it's I, a strong contender yeah you, you could argue you know if, if you got a better idea out there I'd love to hear it please write to us at what you've been watching podcast at gmail.com or look us up on Facebook at facebook.com slash Dudley Bros Podcast. Look for the colorful dan- banner done by the great MK, MK Dudley Art. So, um, 
I think Silence of the Lambs is the answer. Yeah, person. I think that might Because be it gets it. into the gore aspect, too. Sometimes we get grossed yeah, out of right, it. We, right, and we get right. squeamish yeah, and we look yeah. away. So I'm, I'm fine. I think that. it's a great That's answer. fine. Yeah. Silence of the Lambs. Hello, this is our Katie. fourth wonder of the cinematic world. Three down. Three more. Three more. I'm thinking... We gotta scratch the love bug, man. We gotta some of these movies, some of the wonders is you go and you find a real connection amongst these characters. And I don't mean like a rom com, yes, they serve that purpose, but there are some beautiful love stories uh, told. So I'm gonna go with sabotage on this <laughs> And what is sabotage, Mike? <laughs> Tell them the story of that wonderful movie. Uh no, probably shouldn't. Was it your first <laughs> porno that you ever owned? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember watching it. Uh, but no um, in terms of that though that is something that we do we like to find uh, love stories in our movies what is your like the pitch because you can't do Romeo and Juliet that's a cop out I mean we're trying to show the wonders of cinema and that's more like a screenplay that's been adapted and I think I mean Casablanca is is high on the list too even though it's a love story but it kind of still has a weird ending Um, agreed about a club owner named Rick (laughs) you're not aware (laughs) It's pretty famous. You might have seen it. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. I, I'm admittedly, I'm not so much. I, I definitely don't think a rom com, unless yeah. there's like a really super spectacular rom com out there that I can't think of. I, I think. I mean, just of love. Ultimately, love is such a. <clears throat> I mean, not a, just taking a date to a movie is a huge part. Yeah. Of, you know what I mean? Right. Something. So it doesn't have to be a rom com, but something that is like. See. In my mind, what comes to that is is something like uh, Before Sunrise, the the Richard Linklater film with Julie Delpy and, and Ethan Hawke. It's basically two two young people falling in love, and then immediately re- realizing the complications therein. Like, yes, there's finding connections, but they're also finding out where they're different and where they butt heads, and sort of like the press of time in terms of like we only have so many days together. Um, I, again, I don't know that that's the best representation, but that's sort of where my mind goes in thinking of what I would want represented is just sort of the, the, the encapsulation of what it means to be in love. That was a pretty strong sales pitch. Um, I've not seen it. Um, the only other thing, what's the Woody Allen movie? There's one of them that's super popular amongst the love uh, uh, fucking whatever it's called. I mean, I would be like Dracula. <laughs> <laughs> that is a pretty strong contender, actually, and it does scratch the horror itch as well. So we could come back to this one though. But you, yeah. but you know what I'm getting at though. Yeah, I'm, I'm just trying again. I'm trying to think of like what it means like to represent romance or or enamorment or even sex in cinema. Um, it gets hot. It is. It, and sweaty. And, and admittedly, titillation is a big part of cinema. So there's a part that I, where I kind of want that represented as well. Like a movie should be, like, not yeah. every movie has to be, but there's nothing wrong with a good sexy movie. You know, yeah. get, walking out of that feeling a little charge in your pants, you know. Yeah. yeah. Um, or the sadness of the notebook. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, we can circle back to that one, though. I'll pitch you one in the meantime. Sure, yeah. Animation. Animation. Animation on film was the original special effect. Sure. And I think we would be doing whoever this creature or being might be a grave disservice if we did not show them the wonders of animation. Now, I got two pitches for you. Okay. Because I have two in my head right now. One, and I this is high, high, high praise. Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. 
Hear me out why. Okay. They do things in that movie that can only be done in animation. What do I mean by that? When Miles Morales first gets his powers, anybody, oh, backstory real quick. When you run a video game at full speed, it runs at 60 frames per second is as fast as your eye can perceive. When Miles Morales first gets his powers, the animators animate him at an initially 15 frames per second. So they make his animation choppy and jumpy. Okay. As he develops, he goes to 30 frames per second. When he dives off the building, I get goosebumps thinking about it every time. <laughs> when he dives off the building and you hear what's up danger, when he arises, he is now running at 60 frames per second. That, just in of itself, is something that can only be done in animation. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, it also I like scratches that. the superhero itch, too. I, you have a big thing for that. That I, is true. I, that is true. Please come and save me. Um, See, I don't know. I, I tend to think more in terms of the classic animation. So, like... I'm with it, too. So, something like Akira. That's... Or... Um, a little too close to the Matrix, but... Yeah, that, that's the only reason why I was hesitant to mention it. So I'm trying to think of like, I mean, really, you you can't beat some of the classic Disney's like like the Black Cauldron or or um, yeah, even like Pinocchio or something like that. Which, yeah. which which I'm just trying to think of. You're right. There does need to be an aspect of you see something that you could only witness in animation. Maybe Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Because Ooh. at least then you bring in the, the aspects of like all these historical cartoons of Mickey Mouse and Bugs Bunny and Daffy Duck and Elmer Fudd. And, uh, I wouldn't be opposed to that or you go super hard into it and you do like The Lion King only because it's, the animation in that shows you something so expressive. Like when mm-hmm. you watch the live action Lion King, by no means it's a bad movie. It's just a remake of it. And it's beautifully like the animation is incredible. But like when you look at the cartoon version of it, the animals' faces become so much more expressive. Right. And that's something that you can right. only do big in animation. Big eyes, big yeah. eyebrows, big smiles, big, yeah. big frowns. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Whereas like if you try to animate a live-action lion, like a talking, a, a lion's mouth only has so much mobility in real life, you know, yeah. like, or so much expressionism in in, in real life. Expressiveness, expressiveness. Yeah. I got gotcha. you. Uh, I'm fine with you, Frame Roger Rabbit, though, because that is again, it's a little too close to uh, Monty Python, though. I, I, I mean a little bit, but Monty Python is based off of old Looney Tunes cartoons. You know, like it's essentially the Python sitting around being like, "I want to be Bugs Bunny this time." Yeah, yeah. Um, no, I'm with it though. I think animation has got to be represented. Um, I'd be fine with Up because that scratches the love story Ooh, as well. There you go. That's a, that's another Up would be one. one that's like, "Hey man, this is." Is that the best? I mean, in terms of CGI, yeah, maybe that's a tough one to beat. I'd be fine with it though. I mean, one of the classics. You just pitch me one. I think they need to be included on the list, truly. Because yeah, at, at this point, I'm, I'm we're, it's semantic. I'm we're, haggling in my head over which one. The point we're making, I think, has been made though, in terms of the wonders of animation and how it's like the comic book medium. You know, mm-hmm. for example, Watchmen doesn't translate to movies because it's just better in the book because there's the progression that you read the comic book and the frames that it's laid out. Right. Same thing with like The Dark Knight Returns. It's right. Just, right. It's hard to translate what you're reading right. on the page. You can take the words, you can take the images. It's something is missing right. every right. time. And it's there's something about the progression of the panels and what they choose to show in each panel to tell right. the story. That as soon as you move into like live action with movement and like again seeing sixty frames per second, you lose that. The narration that you get in a live action cinema, right. it's it's right. gone when you read it in your head. So yeah, but 
that's comic books though. But I think animation needs to be represented. So at this point, we're splitting hairs, but I think we're both in agreement that it needs to be represented. There's something there, right? 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 I don't. I don't necessarily think it should be into the Spider Verse. I. I think Akira hits a little bit too close to the Matrix. I mean, at this point, I'm just trying to decide which classic Disney is the best representation of. I don't know, maybe like the Little Mermaid or something like that. I'd I mean, be fine the with the whole underwater kingdom. I'd be fine with that. It's not my personal favorite Disney, but I, any one of those would be would be suitable. It, it, in my mind, point, it's, it's got to be during the Disney Renaissance of the like late '80s and early '90s. Yeah, like, it, that, that's that's pretty much where it, I think that they hit the peak of of at least like hand drawn animation. Yeah, you know? yeah, and I'm with it. Uh, so at this point, Little Mermaid or Lion King, one of those two, something like that. Okay, yeah, I'll put Little Mermaid just because you pitched it, but but I get your point though. So. All right. So so far we have the Matrix, we have mm-hmm. the Wizard of Oz, yep. We have Monty Python, Holy Grail slash Meaning of Life, sure. We have Silence of the Lambs, mm-hmm. and we have the Little Mermaid. I feel uh, confident in all those. All, we got two more to do. Um, in terms of, man, I think you got to include Star Wars. I would agree. I, I think I think you got to. It's just the first movie. Just. Right, because again, and we've talked about that, that like the second you start introducing the idea of who is Luke's father and are he and Leia's sisters and, and the, the whole uh, uh, expanding on the Force and the history of the Jedi, like s- ignoring all that, Star the, the original Star Wars Episode Four as a standalone movie works phenomenal. It's, you, if, if that's the only Star Wars you ever see in your life, you're good. You, you, don't, you don't necessarily have to get in depth with everything else you can it's all certainly there but it also scratches the itch and little mermaid does this a little bit but of of family movies like people want to go out and they want to see an adventure they want to root for the the boy who didn't have or the the girl whoever it is the protagonist that came from nothing learned the ways and and became a master of their own destiny right right. the harry potter of it all yeah the the, the little baggins of it all exactly exactly and i i think you just gotta include star wars not just for its historical importance but just it's it is the best to do the action adventure genre well yeah because i mean again like for all the reasons why star wars is so popular today because it borrows from akira kurosawa and it borrows from the you know the, the, the mono myth <laughs> hidden and, fortress yeah hid, yeah and, <laughs> a and, lot and but borrows from from all these different storytelling aspects that are tried and tested and, and proven so yeah like it, it, it's a great representation of like if you want an adventure story quote unquote you know like star wars that's that's a great adventure story I'm with it. I'm with it. I think there's one last one that we got to do. It's the horror one? Oh, no, we did uh, no, Sounds of the yeah, yeah, okay. okay. I think we're missing out on a really important aspect. And uh, Boobs. Yeah, boobs. Um, it'd just be Natasha Henstridge and Species. <laughs> That's the correct answer there. Pam Greer and anything. Yeah, that part. Um, I just think it deserves a spot on it. Seven Samurai. But I don't know what itch it scratches. See again. That's to me. I th- I I think that Star Wars scratches that itch, at least at least in a much more accessible sense. Like Seven Samurai is a little bit of a long watch. It's it's a little bit slower paced, and I think that Star Wars does not everything, but most things at least at a more consumable rate. 
than seven than, than seven samurai does. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like no, I got essentially, you. they're both they're both stories of the hero's journey. Right. But it's just I, an ensemble cast in in Seven Samurai. Yeah. yeah. I mean, again, but I I think you you definitely don't get to Star Wars without Seven Samurai without so Kurosawa is, in general. Right. Right. You, so you it don't is worth there. mentioning. But but I think that again, I was thinking of the Westernish, but like, what does a Western bring? Like isolation and man's ability to really westerns really what they're about is man versus environment is really what it is yeah um, in terms or, or of, man versus himself or, an expansion or, right, and right. yeah it's can man conquer it's it's philosophically is, is as we're expanding to the west and we're depraved of resources and things like that can we conquer that as and they just symbolize it with bad guys and other things like that but it's that's really what it's about is expansion yeah, well and, and and it's it's sort of like what happens when you're living on the edge you know yeah. like what happens when the rules don't necessarily all necessarily always apply or like you're forced to just make your own and nope because nobody's coming for you or 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 the, the help isn't necessarily readily available kind right. of thing so like right. what lengths are you willing to go to in order to forge your own identity so we write down kiss, kiss, bang, bang. That's that. And that's the end of it, right? Uh, oh! Highlander. If we're ending on a comedic note... What are you talking about? Oh, the greatest movie of all time? Greatest movie of all time. If you make a pitch real quick, I might write it down. Uh, it won Infinity Oscars. It did. It did. Uh, I don't know. I, no, I got you. No, uh, just in terms of what are we missing, though, Matrix is ultimately, to boil it down to, action, sense of wonderment, visually stunning. Yeah. Wizard Tech, of Oz. The technology. technology yeah, yeah, the Wizard of Oz, same thing. The practical effects, things of that nature. Uh, sense of old, tiny film coming mm-hmm. together into the modern world. Uh, Monty Python is the escapism of it all. They're right. like, oh man, my, right. I just, I just want to turn my brain off. Turn my brain off. Yeah. yeah. Um, Silence of the Lambs is the suspense, the being so engaged with something that you must know what, how this all unfolds. Oh, and also the terror aspect right. of, of you know exploring the the evil of man and and the the depravity of of what's in the human soul. So. Right. Little Mermaid also scratches the animation for the exact same reason. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Little Mermaid is the animation, but we forgot an important aspect of that movie as well. The musical aspect, man. Oh, yeah. The music yeah, is a yeah, huge yeah. part of Cinema. Yeah, for Those sure. Were one of the first things was song and dance movies. For you sure. Know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and Star Wars Episode Four in the sense of adventure. Yeah. Other than that, man, I think we just need a romance movie in terms of we like to be moved. We like to see people connect. When we're rooting for a hero, that's or, or not just a hero, when we're rooting for a set of people to get out of their own way, mm-hmm. it's a beautiful mm-hmm. thing. Like. Mm-hmm. How many relationships have been the, the root cause of, of of every movie in terms of what does the protagonist want? Right. It right. wants X, and X is in another person, or they want to find the sense of belonging, and it tells so much about the human element. So at this point... I yeah, mean, I'm, just, I, I'm just trying to think of what best represents that. Yeah. I mean, again, I, I would say maybe before sunrise. I'm fine with that. I mean... Uh, but I, I feel like I'm missing something out. Probably some low-hanging fruit. Princess Bride? Oh, shit. Mm, it's a little close to Star Wars. Also, but also a great romance. I mean... Yeah, that's a little close to Star Wars for okay, me. Okay, okay, okay. I think we've hit on it, though. I think it might be before Sunrise. I'm sure there's something we can revise this, but for now, I think it's a pretty strong list. I think uh, Cannibal Holocaust is a pretty good uh, (laughs) love story. It really gets to the heart of women. Yeah. Oh, the only other thing you could replace... (laughs) That was a great joke. Oh, I'm sorry. I stepped on it. I stepped on it. (laughs) Cannibal Holocaust really gets to the heart of women. Nom, 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 nom. Oh, I got you. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah. That was a callback, too. I stepped on your joke. <laughs> so I was going to say, the only fine, th- I'm going to cut it all out anyway. Don't the worry. only thing that could replace uh, Silence of the Lambs really is Jaws as well. Ooh, yeah. yeah Silence of the Lambs slash yeah. Jaws. Um, but it's still kind of the same itch, though. Um, other than that, though, I think we're going to put Before Sunset in for now. Um, yeah, it, yeah. It, Maybe. That's that's the one I feel the least strongly about. So that, that could definitely be ousted if, you know... Three o'clock in the morning, I sit bolt upright in bed and go, "Oh my god, it has to be blah blah blah." Yeah, but I think our reasonings for putting it on is we're finding something like that we just can't find, um, or there might be something we we might revisit this list in a, in about six months and see if we still feel the same yeah. way about it. But please, 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 this is actually a fun exercise to do. Make your list of the seven wonders of the world of cinema, and please write us in at uh, what you've been watching podcast at gmail I think we have a strong list. Yeah, and for our reasons that we put in, I think yeah. we've been on the same page for a lot of it. I yeah. mean, it'd like, be stupid to ignore the fact of like how many love stories are there in terms of like man looking for X, you know, and X is his counterpart in a woman, or sure, the sure. unattainable that is this woman, like right, the, the the ideal romance or the ideal partner, or if I can just get this in a relationship, then I'll be satisfied. Yeah, and these a lot of these movies won't pass the Bechdel test nowadays, <laughs> but some of these damsel in distress movies ultimately, and you know. But again, even if even if we didn't necessarily hit the right movie, I think we listed the right reason, the, the right reasons, or right. the right qualifications that we're looking for. So, yeah, we might be able to haggle and, and finesse over which movie particularly fits into that slot. But I think we hit the right path at least. Once again, we do you, the listeners, a great service. A great service. Putting in work. Putting in work. This list is almost definitive. We'll let you know when it's there, that's but right. we're about 90% there. Um, that's all I got, man. Um, hit us with a sign-out? I'm good, brother. Uh, I appreciate your time as always. Thank you all very much for listening. Uh, for the marvelous Mike Dudley, this is MB3 signing out. Uh, Go watch a movie. And talk about it with somebody that you love. It's definitely Highlander. Highlander. <laughs>